Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Welcome back, podcast listeners. My name is Andrew McPeak, and with me as always is Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you today, Tim? I'm happy to be here. Yeah, me too. So we're asking a very intriguing question today. What is the right age to give your child a smartphone? Lots of people are asking this question, so I'm excited to talk about it. But as we were getting ready for it, you and I started musing on when we got our first phones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing were very different ages yes. for the well, two of us. Because we're at least 30 years apart. <laughs> uh, yes, I was a grown adult. I think you should tell your story first. I bet you got one before I did. Well, I t- <laughs> I'm sure I I'm did. sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so I was um, 16. It was a flip phone. Not, the, I think it was the Sprint knockoff of the Razor or whatever, but it was not a smartphone. I think um, I yeah. graduated high school in 2007, which is when the, the yeah. iPhone came out. So, yeah. my, um, I believe the iPhone was my like third or fourth phone. So yeah. I, it took a long time for me to get that. T9 texting. We were just oh, a yeah. few of us millennials were just talking about that with yeah. a group of my friends a, a couple of days ago. It's laborious. You have to hit the three button four times yeah. to get to the letter yeah. you want, That's you right. know. I remember the the early days of texting where you paid per text. It was sort of a rite of passage for me and my friends that you get in trouble when the cell phone bill shows up because you sent too many text yes. messages for your cell phone and plan. lost track. Yeah, I remember the first ones where it was like unlimited texting was a part of your cell phone plan, Ooh. and we were like, "Wow, you can text as much as you want." But didn't you feel liberated? I got this device in my oh, hand. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I even felt that. I think I was in my thirties yeah. because I'm older, but um, I remember still I was holding my phone. But where's the cord? Oh yeah, there is no cord because <laughs> I was so used to for over three decades. Having a did leash. you have a car phone or any yep, of those other car phone first okay. and then you know and it was a brick yeah I, rem- a brick. I remember my uncle got one of those and I was like how cool is this that's you right know? you're James Bond yeah. <laughs> yeah so but I remember a new iteration of that cell phone when we could email oh yeah from our phone yeah OMG the BlackBerry and was blowing people's that's minds that's right and getting online with that little device so you could be at the airport which I was yeah but I'm still connected and telling or asking something you know that sort of thing. Now, my kids are, my daughter Bethany is your age. Yep. My kids were both 16 as well when yeah. they got their first cell phone. And at the time, that was more normal yeah. because when, why would you need it before 16? Yeah. But parents had already begun to thought, ooh, for emergencies only. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. It very quickly became something completely different. Yeah. It's an emergency. I need ice cream, you yeah. know, or something like that. <laughs> But my daughter Bethany did think it was a little late for her. You know, you know my daughter yeah, Bethany. She's yeah. kind of out there, and this is a little late. But we could see the distraction. In fact, when I've shared data about anxiety and smartphones, my son Jonathan, her junior by four years, mm-hmm. bought into it. Mm. Bethany loves her scrolling, so she's still <laughs> on it, of course. But sometimes the boundaries are are not there. But it's, anyway, it was it's an so funny to think about all of that because. There wasn't even that much to do on the phone back yeah, then. Yeah. You could call people, you could text people, and you could play Snake. You know, yeah, do you remember yeah. that little game? Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it, it's just so funny. We talk about kids being distracted by phones today. Kids will always find a way to get distracted by a device, even if that device can't actually do that many it's things. It's true. You're right. So, so Andrew, today, I'm, I want to set you up, and, and I want you to share the data yeah. that we both have read, but it's just, it's pretty profound. Yeah. And it does lead us to a wise conclusion as caring adults, whether we're teachers, coaches, parents, whatever. So there's a pretty big report that came out that is now advising 
all people on phones, but certainly kids. So talk about this report yeah. that we've read. So, um, you know, there's a, we've followed Jonathan Haidt for many years. He's a researcher and just brilliant thinker, written a number of books. And he wrote this fascinating article called Kids Who Get Smartphones Earlier Become Adults with Worse Mental Health. Okay, say that again. Kids Who Get Smartphones Earlier Become Adults with Worse Mental Health. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about what that data actually shows. But I actually want to quote from the article that he wrote just to set the stage so, you know, we were getting cell phones back in, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007 as millennials. Today, we have a generation of kids who are entering adulthood, but for them, the first device was not a cell phone, it was a smartphone. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't wait until 16, like right. many millennials did, yeah. to get one. They got them at very early ages. And now that the, the time has passed, the correlation between how early you got that device and how you're doing now as a young adult is quite startling. Yeah. So here's what they say. Sapien Labs, which runs an ongoing global survey of mental health with nearly a million participants so far. So this is global, tons and tons of folks. They actually just released a rapid report this past spring asking young adults, those between the ages of 18 and 24, this question. At what age did you get your own smartphone or tablet? Um, or, you know, iPad or whatever, uh, with internet access that you could carry with you? That was the question. When they plotted the age of first smartphone adoption on the x-axis against their extensive set of questions they had already been asking about mental health on the y-axis, they found a consistent pattern. Here it is. Okay. The younger the age of getting the first smartphone, the worse the mental health that young adult reports wow. right now. So this is true in every single region studied. So we're not just talking about U.S. The survey is offered in English, Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, Arabic, Hindi, and Swahili. And the relationships are consistent across all of those things and most consistent among women. Females. Interesting. Females. Okay. And the big trend they started noticing was that um, something... I think it's fair to say catastrophic changed around the early 2010s. Yeah, right. That was the and, thing that they and started almost noticing. abrupt. Yes. So Andrew, talk to us. What changed on the early 2010s? Yeah. So what they talked about is that it really, you know, there's a lot of correlation, but as far as they can tell, what they're seeing is that the sudden switch of teen social life from flip phones like I had when I first yeah. got one back in 2006, uh, which are designed for communication, to smartphones, which enabled continuous access to social media and showed much higher levels of phone addiction, yeah. that that is the major cause. But it's not the only one. There are unique factors in every country, but the reality is there's no other alternative explanation for why it is synchronized, it's gender-specific the way it is, and we're seeing the global decline of mental health in every one of the countries that was so studied. So interesting. We yeah. are seeing as we travel the globe, aren't we? Yeah. But the world is flat. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing. Uh, sometimes in developing nations, they've all got that smartphone, yeah. even if they don't know where their next meal will come from. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I'm sure uh, many people listening to this are going to do what Tim, me, and you did when we first heard about this report. They go, duh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they're yeah. listening to this and going, of course, smartphones are having a negative effect on mental health. But this is the thing to realize about this. And this is the reason we wanted to make this such an important subject today. What we have to realize in reading this is that we might have known for some time that colloquially, this was a yeah. problem, yeah. right? We knew, well, so-and-so is on her phone a lot. And also she seems to be struggling. I think there's a correlation there. This is the first time that somebody has proven it scientifically. 
So the data really do prove that early smartphone adoption leads to negative mental health outcomes. So Andrew, I mentioned my two kids earlier. Both of them differ slightly. So the smartphone has affected both of them as young adults, young professionals. Uh, But Bethany, much more than Jonathan, just like Mm. the data shows. The females, a little bit more than the males. Uh, I've had lunch with both, shared the data with both, and he took it more to heart than her. But I would say she is going through a little bit of what we just talked about. Yeah. The comparison thing and yeah. then the, the anguish over just an overwhelming amount of uh, data yeah. coming at you yeah. and how it affects your, your emotions. Yeah, yeah, this is a real, real thing. Um, so I want to make a comment on the, the women thing um, because this is specifically what they found. So when they studied all of the subgroups, different yeah cultures, different whatever, the one subgroup that stood out above all the other ones was uh, females. Here's what they found. The Gen Z women who got their first smartphone before they were nine years old, so specifically they're looking at that number, before nine years old, uh, were on average in negative territory when it came to mental health. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In other words, you would be hard-pressed to Mm -hmm. find a young adult female today who got their phone before the age of nine who isn't having some sort of negative mental health yeah. challenges uh, as, a, as an effect of that. It's amazing. So the negative effects of smartphones, social media, they're being recognized everywhere by today's teens. And what's interesting is us adults have been noticing this. The new trend is actually that the students are noticing this themselves, and many of them are not going to wait around for adulthood to begin questioning the validity of that digital lifestyle. How much should I really be on this thing? Um, And so I actually just came across a group that calls themselves the Luddites. Interesting. I I love this. Okay, so let's talk about this. These, uh, just to be clear, listeners, our students, this is a student-led group. Yeah. No adult said, you should get off that smartphone yeah. um, or get on it er- later rather than earlier. This is so, a, Andrew, yeah. talk about what's the Luddite Club. Yeah. Okay. So the Luddite Club, uh, this is a group of students in New York City. It's actually it was started within a specific school. There are some participants from uh, other schools. But I want to sort of set the stage for you, okay? So if you're lucky, imagine you're, it's Sunday afternoon. And you go uh, stand on the steps of the Central Library um, in Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn, New York. So this is in New York City. And one by one, all of a sudden, these teenagers start coming out of the crowd, and they start gathering together, and they're talking and all of that. This is the the Luddite Club. They get together on Sunday afternoons, and they actually – this is the most hilarious thing. Because many of them have given up their phones, or they have switched from uh, smartphones to flip phones – they actually don't know how many kids are going to show up to Luddite Club. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, by definition. Yeah, by definition, right? Many of them are like, well, I'm not connected. So, you know, we all know when we're supposed to show up. They wait for about 15, 20 minutes and then they go on with the, the club. So, this club was actually started by a, a high school student. Um, I believe she's just about to graduate. Her name is Logan Lane. And for Logan, her relationship, the decision she made to sort of step away from devices began during the lockdown, during uh, the global pandemic. Yeah. So um, she was actually interviewed in the New York Times, and she said, during lockdown, she just started spending so much time on her phone. Yeah. She said, I became completely consumed, and I couldn't not post a picture if I felt like I had a good one. And I had this online personality of, I don't care, but then I actually really did care, yeah. right? I was definitely still watching everything. So eventually, it's right in the heart of lockdown. She's The only way to interact with her friends is via this device, but she decided this is too much. 
She was too burned out to even scroll past one more, you know, picture perfect Instagram selfie. So she deleted the app. And then a couple weeks later, she was like, I don't actually even want this device at all. After she stopped spending time on Instagram and some of those other things, she asked her parents for a shoebox. She put her phone in the box, put it in her parents' closet. And just a couple weeks later, she asked her parents if they could get us a flip phone rather than a smartphone. And that was kind of the beginning of the Luddite Club. What an initiator. Yeah. I love that. Crazy. So uh, Logan finally comes back to school after lockdown, and she starts meeting one or two other kids who did the same thing. Without her prompting. Without her prompting. She was not alone in this. And of course, when two teenagers today meet and they're like, wait, you don't have a smartphone? Yeah. They've got a lot to talk about. That's right. We're a minority group here, but, but we're a group. Yeah. So it was actually Logan's mom who gave her the idea to start the club and to call it the Luddite Club. You know, Luddite okay. refers to somebody who has stepped away from technology. Yeah. It's almost like a caveman yes. is kind of yes. the, the idea there. So uh, it was her idea to start the club and um, Tell Logan about the slogan. It. What's yeah. the slogan there? Oh, I love this. I love this. The slogan tells the whole story to me. Here it is. Don't be a phony. Uh-huh. But of course, phony is spelled yes. P-H-O-N-E-Y. That's right. I love it. Isn't that great? Now, Andrew, we've gathered our own research a little bit on this. Yeah. Talk about how that confirms, and then let's get to what do we do. Yeah, okay? yeah. I, I do think it's worth mentioning, you know, we do our own focus groups, and I was so uh, blown away by Logan's story and other stories that we had heard that in a recent focus group, it was in 2022, when I sat down with a group of students, I wanted to talk about this. They were between the grades of 8th grade and 12th grade, yep. and we had a fascinating conversation about social media and screen time. And of course, I wrote down a few of the comments uh, that they made. And we actually spent most of the time we had together, they wanted to tell me about their experiences related to the negative effects of social media and smartphone use. So here's just a few of the quotes um, from that conversation. One junior boy told me, I'm currently on a social media break right now, and it started as a punishment because I was on it all the time. But since then, there's been, it's been kind of nice not having it. And now I don't even have a desire to go on there anymore. It's just nice being outside instead of wasting time on my phone. Oh my gosh, that sounds like an old man. It really does. It really does. Let me read just one more. Uh, A senior girl said this, I was just on a trip with a group of friends and a group of us girls sat down, notice no adults involved here, sat down to make a list of the pros and cons of social media. Mm. The only pros we could think of, she said, were communication and how it helps you connect with people you haven't met yet. It's pretty convenient, but the cons way outweighed it so much. We mainly talked about how it would become a waste of time and how easy it was to compare ourselves to other people. Yeah, they're aware. They are aware. And so in other words, I think for a lot of adults who are wondering, why are kids on their phone all the time? If we were to start a conversation with them, I think you might be shocked about what they're thinking. I think while each student that I interviewed or any, any any student out there might have their own reason for leaving the phone behind, there is increasingly a, a large amount of data that's supporting the hypothesis that parents and teachers have had for years that smartphones are not not that helpful. They've got several checks in the good column, but we're starting to experience more negatives than than positives. Andrew, I know we need to go to a break, but after the break, I want us to talk about what is it that's actually harmful about a smartphone? Yeah, I think I've got some good answers on that. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll answer that question when we come back. Hey guys, Andrew here. I'd like to talk to you about our curriculum, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. Growing up in a post-pandemic world means that many students today are facing new challenges. 
and often don't have the social and emotional skills to handle it all. When students possess skills like self-awareness, impulse control, empathy, teamwork, and responsible decision-making, they're prepared to not only survive, but succeed inside and outside of the classroom. Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning comes in both middle school and high school versions and presents a fun, image-based pedagogy designed to delight and challenge your students. Find out more about how you can get Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning to your school by going to growingleaders.com slash SEL. All right, we're back. Tim, you brought up a question right yeah, before we what's started. What's actually harmful about the smartphone? Talk about that. Yeah, so uh, for years, scientists who study mental health have been able to separate these six domains of mental functioning and actually study them. So they actually use these six domains to create what they call an MHQ, or mental health quotient. Okay. So just like you have your intelligence yep. quotient or your emotional quotient, you can also have a mental health quotient, or MHQ. So let me go through the six domains of mental health. And as I go through them, I want you to consider how spending a high amount of time on a smartphone could impact each of these dimensions, okay? So number one is mood and outlook. This includes items about optimism, calmness, anxiety, mood swings, sadness, and anger. I think we can all think of a student, spend a lot of time on a device, and some of these things are an issue. Number two is the social self. This includes items about self-worth, relationships with others, empathy, cooperation, and aggression towards other people. Okay. Number three is adaptability and resilience. This includes items about adaptability to change, adaptability to learn new things, and your emotional resilience. Grit Mm. probably fits here Mm. as well. Number four is drive and motivation. This includes items about motivation, curiosity, enthusiasm, and actually addiction as well, which is interesting. Number five is cognition. This is about memory, decision-making, risk-taking, focus, concentration, dealing with unwanted thoughts, and even hallucinations, Hmm. which is very interesting. And then finally is mind-body connection. This is about sleep quality, energy level, appetite, and physical health issues. Very interesting categories. Now, what would be the chief one among those? Well, of course, uh, spending a lot of time on device can affect a lot of these, and they saw that in the study, but the number one challenge was the social self. So, men, remember that was about self-worth, your relationships with others, empathy, cooperation, and even aggression. Yeah, the comparison trap kicks in, the competition thing. This was one of the major categories where they said the earlier you get a device, the more damage is going to get caused. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let me remind you, Andrew, we called this particular episode, What's the Right Age? So let's jump to that and give some thoughts. Yeah, so you and I have sat in front of parents for years and been asked this question, what's the right age? And I know both of us have been a little bit hesitant because we want you to, you make the decision for your kids, all that kind of stuff. But the research actually shows there is an answer to this question. So uh, Height and his research team in this report um, suggest that teens should get their first smartphone after looking at the data at about 14 or 15 years old. Okay. He basically said, just call it when they start high school. Yeah. Just because the data suggests we wait, however, doesn't mean our kids or students are going to think this is a good idea, right? So parents and adults out there are going, all right, 14 or 15 it is. I certainly hope you're thinking that because the data certainly supports that decision. But what do you do, I think is the big question we might have left, what do you do if your kids spend so much time on a device and you don't see any of those issues? So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you reminded me of a friend you have who kind of did exactly what we're talking about here. He did. And and what I love was happening inside of him 
was he wasn't worried about what his daughters would think. Yeah. In other words, I don't have to be liked by my kids. Yeah, lots of parents tough. struggle with that. We yeah. want to be a pal rather than a parent. So his name is Rick. Rick's a dear friend, and he has three daughters. They're all lovely young women right now. But he said as they were growing up, we had a what we called a family phone. <laughs> And you know what that means. It's not, There's nothing smart about it. No. Nope. It's a flip phone that can text, or you could call people or text people, but that's, that's it. That's it, yeah. And that was the punishment or discipline if they had disobeyed or somehow broken the rules. Yeah. They got the family phone. It became a, a point of embarrassment because the other two girls, oh my gosh, you got the family phone this week. <laughs> you know, and it was usually a three-day or week-long yeah. discipline. But here's what he said that was interesting. Nobody liked it on day one. Yeah. But almost everybody liked it. And by the way, he and his wife had to do it too. If okay. they had somehow broken a family rule or They had to switch whatever. to the family. They had though. to switch to the family. But Rick said, we all found it quite funny. We liked it after day two. Yeah. Because peace of mind was yeah. now my buddy yeah. and my constant companion. And so sometimes he said, I'll keep, the, I'll keep the family phone another week. It's fine. <laughs> keep punishing me, Dad. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? It it's is. The, it's the Luddite Club yep. by default. So let's talk about some of the strategies that we can use as yeah. we wrap so, this up. Yeah. So, I mean, what Rick did is a great example of that. So I want to give you a list that's not an exhaustive list, but here's what I know. I know there's probably a lot of you out there who are going... Uh, I'm working with kids and I'm not the parent. So I don't get to yeah. make the decision yes. of yeah. when they can get their phones. But I see this as a problem yeah. and I want to help influence the child themselves to make a better decision. So I encourage you to consider the following ideas okay. as sort of a starting point, right? For how you can help that kid become more aware of the impact that the device is having on them. So this is just four quick ideas. Number one is I would say expose them to stories of kids who are taking a break. So there's many examples of students who are going device-free. I mean, we just talked about the Luddite Club. Um, the uh, quotes that I just shared, those yep. are in a blog I wrote. So there's tons of places you could go. Just do a YouTube search about kids who are giving up their yeah. smartphones. You will find examples. But allow that exposure yeah. to serve as a catalyst for conversation. Yeah, especially if it's kids their own age. So yes. go, well, he's only 14 or he's 16. Or yep. what? No, find stories their age. You'll, they're out there. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's just a great way to introduce them to that. Um, number two, curate classroom or even dinner table discussions. I think one possible reason a student is might be frustrated with their mm -hmm. device but might continue to use that device they're frustrated with is because they think everybody else likes it. I'm just the only one, right? But if they were to be a part of a discussion where there could be an opportunity yeah. for them to realize, oh, other people feel the way I do about yeah. their devices. Yep. I really think that the social pressure of feeling like, well, if I got off my phone, I might ruin my Snapchat streak, you yeah. know? Yeah. But if the kid who you have your Snapchat streak with also wants off their phone, yeah. then you two can decide together, and That's all of a sudden right. the pressure is is a lot less. Isn't it true? Most of us as human beings need permission from someone else. It's true. We're thinking something, but uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, and we, it, we make decisions emotionally. We, we make do. them socially yeah. with other people. I yeah. think that's right. So number three. Number three is, I think, just like those students I quoted from earlier, we should work with our students to put together a pro-con list. So yeah. I, I mentioned earlier, a group of students I met with actually started their own pro-con list. Yeah. I would encourage you to consider having your students put this together themselves and just have them list out, maybe on your whiteboard in your classroom or wherever, what the pros and the cons are of the devices that they're on every day. This activity could be a revelatory way 
to initiate some change because what they're going to realize in making that list is even their own opinions of those devices are actually not very high. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So finally, number four, yep. I think we should intentionally plan device-free days or times. Yeah. And many of my conversations with students, many of their breaks from social media started with a mandate from an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to have it at summer camp or yeah. I'm not allowed to have it at school or my parents grounded me and took it away. After spending some time away from their device... They didn't want it back, just like just like Rick yeah. and his daughters. Yeah. This is an especially effective strategy if you plan this for a significant portion of time, like a retreat, summer camp, special yeah. week, whatever those things are, especially places where phones are going to be more of a distraction. Yeah. So those are four really quick yeah. ways that you could do that. They're very practical, very doable, and all of them are free. Yeah. So that's good. Andrew, this has been rich. So we want to obviously wrap this up, but thanks for uh, doing some digging and helping us today in this conversation think this through and really realize we may need to raise the age if at all possible. I hope that's the the thing that people take away is just starting to challenge the the norm that has set in where parents just give their kids a phone without really thinking about it. I think we need to think about it, especially because the data supports that decision. But I remember you actually came across a story that I think would be a great way to close of an adult adult, a parent in this yeah. case, who saw the opportunity to get her son to wait, and yeah. it had some really positive effects. Yeah. So I blogged about this uh, some time ago. This mother had three kids, two teenage daughters and then a younger son that was probably, I don't know, nine or ten. But she had seen the anxiety mm-hmm. that had come from the ownership of a smartphone. She by didn't her need daughters. the data to support her. She choice. got her own focus group right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. And she realized, like many parents, that screen that she gave her children was a one-eyed babysitter. Yeah. Made her life easier, but she thought that's not good parenting. So she found her young son in the kitchen one day and mm-hmm. randomly, but with a little thought, made this deal. If you'll stay off of social media and a smartphone until you're 18. Now, he did have a smartphone to text and so forth. But if you'll stay off social media until you're 18 years old, that's huge. Yeah, that's a long time. I'll give you $100 a year. You'll get $1,800 at age 18. Okay. Now, keep in mind, he's only nine years old. $1,800 to him was like, I could buy a I'm car. I'm going to be rich. I could buy a house. Yeah. yeah, of course, he realized later it wasn't that much money. But, yeah. but that was not a petty cash either for yeah. mom. Yeah. Sure enough, he stayed off of social media unlike his sisters, until he was 18. On his 18th birthday, she walked into his bedroom, said, happy birthday, son, gave him a check for $1,800. But the real reward came later. Mm. He was interviewed by news media outlets. Wanted to know about this experiment. What do you think? And he said, it was a good decision. Mm. He said, the money was nice, but I realized I had peace of mind. And I really didn't need that. Mm. In fact, he said, my friends found out I was doing it. They were kind of proud of me. They said, oh, I'll keep you up on the snaps that are going by here. I'll fill you in on what you're missing. And it was actually a good decision. May that be the decision many make as a result of, of this conversation. I love that. I love that. We have the ability, I think, to influence how our kids make decisions. And my guess is that that challenge that the parent initiated, he was probably 14 and realized $1,800 isn't that much money, but he kept at it. And I think the reason he kept at it is because the challenge had been issued and he was starting to realize some of the benefits. We could do the same things for our kids. So thank you for telling that story, Tim.
Well, if you guys are looking for a resource to continue to develop your students, maybe beyond just not having smartphones, but going, I actually want to develop those social skills, not just experience negative uh, social effects because of being on devices, I want to encourage you to check out our tool, Habitudes. If you go on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, you can learn all about our Habitudes program that's being used by schools all around the country and even places all around the world. We're really, really proud of it, and we think you're going to find it really fun to use images stories and experiences to teach students valuable life skills. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. If you found this conversation helpful and you thought of somebody to share it with, we invite you to share it with one of your friends. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to stay connected with us, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast... Maybe it's a subject you think we should talk about, or maybe somebody you think we should interview. Shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Well, Tim, thank you once again. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.